Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. In the last podcast, we started John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I have sheep, and they know my voice, and they follow me. In other words, he is our shepherd, and he guides us. We trust the shepherd because he protects us. He goes ahead of us, Jesus said, because he makes sure that the path is safe. And if it's not safe, he's going to make sure that it becomes safe so that we can follow him and have peace. And also flipped over to John, uh, I'm sorry, to Psalm 23, where David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he goes on, and we, we broke uh, that down a little bit and talked about that. How if the Lord is our shepherd, then he li- leads us beside the green, uh, the green pastures or the meadows, and, and that means there's plenty of food. And he leads us beside the still waters. In other words, we can drink from the calm water. We don't have to be frightened of a, of a, a running river, and, and so on and so forth. There's just so much in, that, in Psalm 23 about Jesus being, or the Lord being, our shepherd, and what that entails and the blessings that come with that. And so, just like in chapters past, once again, we have people who believe in what Jesus is saying, and so they take him at his word, and they become sheep. And then there's others who don't. And there's even some here that claim that he's demon-possessed. And John points out that this is uh, wintertime, and so it's cold, and Jesus is in Jerusalem to celebrate Hanukkah. Now, just real quickly, a little bit about Hanukkah that I get from History.com. Hanukkah is an eight-day Jewish celebration that commemorates the rededication during the second century or the rededication of the temple. Uh, The Jews had uh, risen up against their Greek Syrian oppressors in the Maccabean Revolt. You can read all about it if you want to Google it or whatever. Antiochus IV Epiphanes outlawed the Jewish religion, Judaism, and ordered the Jews to worship Greek gods, which was false gods. And in 168 B.C., his soldiers descended upon Jerusalem and, and just killed thousands of people. And they desecrated God's temple by erecting an altar to a false god, Zeus. I'm sure you've heard of Zeus. And they sacrificed pigs in the temple, which is a huge no-no, especially to the Jews. Stay away from pork. God said so. So led by the Jewish priest Mattathias and his five sons, a rebellion breaks out against Antiochus and his army. And when Mattathias died in 166 B.C., his son Judah known as Judah Maccabee, or the hammer. He took the helm, he took over, and within two years, the Jews had successfully driven out the Syrians out of Jerusalem. Judah called on his followers to cleanse the second temple, and they did, and they rebuilt the altar, and they light uh, this menorah, this golden candelabrum, who had, had seven branches representing knowledge and creation, and it was meant to be burning every night. But according to the Talmud, which is the, the, what the, the Jews used uh, in Judaism, the Talmud, Judah Maccabee and other Jews who took part of the rededication of the Second Temple, they witnessed what they believed to be a miracle because there was only enough olive oil to keep the menorah's candles burning for a single day. 
But the flames kept going for eight nights, leaving them to find a fresh supply. And so this wonderful event inspired the the Jews to proclaim a yearly eight-day festival called Hanukkah, which means dedication in Hebrew. And it falls in November and December on our calendars. And it's often called the Festival of Lights, which is interesting because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And this holiday is celebrated by the lighting of the menorah every year. And they eat traditional foods, they play games, and they give out gifts. And so John points out that it's wintertime and Jesus is at the temple and he's talking to this crowd. And so they ask him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? I mean, if, if you're the Messiah, Jesus, just, just tell us plainly so you know we can understand. Just tell us. Make it easy on us. And Jesus says, look, I, I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. You don't follow me. I don't know you. You don't know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, Jesus says, and they follow me. Now, I, want to, I want to share something you just don't get in the English here. The Greek word for know, when Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me, is gnosko. And it means more than just knowing about someone or something. It's better translated as knowing someone personally, somebody, you know, knowing somebody intimately. Somebody, something or somebody that you have, have, you've had personal experience with. So Jesus is telling these people, you've seen me, you've talked to me, you saw the miracles, and yet you, you don't really know me. You know about me, but you don't have any kind of relationship with, with me because if you did, you would know the answer to your question. You would know that I'm, I am who I say I am. I am the Messiah. And this is the same problem that people have today. They've never experienced Jesus for themselves, and so they continue to reject him, and therefore they don't have any kind of relationship with him at all. All they know is what, what they've heard from other people. They know about him. They, they may hear his voice, but they don't really listen. They don't follow. They keep doing their own thing, thinking that they're in control of their lives. It's kind of like in Acts chapter 2 when Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. And the, uh, they hear the sermon, and the people say, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, then it says there was about 3,000 people that gladly received his word. They were baptized, and the Lord added them to the church. About 3,000. But there was thousands upon thousands of people there that day because they had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. And there was thousands upon thousands that heard Peter's message in their own language when he was speaking in tongues. And they were being told about Jesus. But even though there were thousands... There that day, the Bible says about 3,000 gladly received what Peter said. The others, they just rejected it. They just they kept doing their own thing, keeping the control of their lives. That's what's going on here. Jesus tells the crowd in verse 28, he says, I, I give my sheep eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch my sheep away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anybody else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. You know something, when you're snatched, if you snatch something out of my hand, you do it real fast. I'm not expecting it. And Jesus says, nobody can do that to my sheep. 
No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. And so again, here's Jesus making claim that he is deity, that he is God. And guess what happens? Again, the people pick up stones and they want to, they want to kill him. They want to stone him to death. And so Jesus tells them, he says, At my father's, father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one of these good works are you going to stone me? And they reply, oh, we're not stoning you for, not for any good work, but, but for blasphemy. You are a mere man, and you claim to be God. And so Jesus replies, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods, talking about a little g. And you know the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say, I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Now, catch that. Jesus said the Father set him apart. The Greek word here is what you don't see in the English. is hakiazo, which means to be set apart for a holy purpose. We know that Jesus was set apart for a holy purpose by the Father. He just said that, but we know that just from reading the Scriptures and seeing the things that He did. But what if I told you, you, as a Christian, being full of the Holy Spirit are just like Jesus. You are hagiazo. You have been set apart for a holy purpose. Yes, you. In Acts chapter 20, verse 30, there's tons of verses. But I just picked out three to share with you. In Acts 20, verse 32, Paul or Luke writes, And now I entrust you to God and the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. There it is. Hagiazos. I entrust you to God and the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. In Hebrews 13, 12. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify, that's the word hagiazo, sanctify. That's where we get our word saint. If we are washing the blood of Jesus Christ and he is our Lord and Savior, we are saints. I'm sorry, Catholic people, but you don't have to be Catholic to be a saint. You don't have to be uh, dead for hundreds of years and then voted on to become a saint. If you're washing the blood of Jesus Christ, you are set apart for the for a holy purpose, you are hagiazo. You are sanctified. You are a saint. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify, that he might set apart the people with his own blood, he suffered outside the gate. In other words, he was, they hung him on the cross outside of town and made a display of him to be ridiculed, mocked, and shamed. But through his own blood, he has sanctified us. Not because of anything we've done. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. And that's dying on the cross for our sins. In Jude 1.1, 1, 1, Jude writes, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those, and he's saying, this is who I'm writing this letter to, to those who are called, get this, sanctified, hagiazo, set apart by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus. There's just three verses right off, the, you know, right off the top of my head right there that talk about us as sheep following Christ. We are just like Jesus. We have been set apart for a holy purpose. If we have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, 
then he lives in us by the power of the Holy Spirit and he has set us apart from the world and he has given us a new purpose, a holy purpose. And I hear people all the time, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what my purpose is. Let me tell you how simple that is. He wants you to believe in him. He wants you to, to listen to him. He wants you to follow him. And he wants you to be obedient. He wants you to live the Christian life on a daily basis. To be an example of him to other people and shine his light so that he would be lifted up and he would be glorified and people would see Christ in and through you. You've been set apart for a holy purpose. We are sheep. We listen to what Jesus says and we follow him. We're obedient to his will and not our own. And that's what all these people didn't get. They just wanted to stone him and to get him out of their lives despite all the good stuff that he's done. It's no different today. People crucified Jesus over and over and over again. They pick up stones to stone him every day. How's that? Because they don't want to be told what to do. They want to live their own lives. They want to do their own thing. They want to be their own Lord because they think they can do it on their own. And they can't. They're being deceived by the evil one. The only difference between people of today and the people in John's day is that they had Jesus standing right there in front of them and they saw the miracles firsthand. They didn't read about it. They saw them. They saw the evidence standing right there before their very eyes, and yet they still chose not to believe. Let's take a break. I twanked my knee. Both knees are twanked. And so here's Jesus talking to this crowd, and they just say, Hey, look, dude, just tell us plainly. Are you the Messiah or you're not? And Jesus says, I've told you, but you're not listening. You don't hear me because you're not my sheep. You're not following me. So what does it matter what I say or, or do because you're not going to believe? And so he says to the crowd in verse 37, he says, Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works that I have done, even if you don't believe in me or believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So, you know, when one has, a, uh, when somebody's on trial, they're in court, and they're standing there or sitting there before the judge. There's going to be these people called witnesses, and they're going to give testimony. And then there's going to be this stuff called evidence. And the lawyer will tell the judge and the jurors to examine the evidence to see if the person is guilty or not guilty. And that's basically what Jesus is saying here to these people. He says, look, if you're not going to believe me, if you're not going to believe in what I'm saying, you could at least believe the evidence because you've never seen anything like this before and you know it. But you know what? Those miracles, they didn't even convince the people. It didn't matter what Jesus did. They were not going to believe. They were not going to be sheep. They wanted their own will and their own way, just like people today. And they chose not to believe. And once again, they, you know, they just tried to pick up stones and try to stone him because he, he claimed that he was deity again, and it made him mad. And so now they're going to try to arrest him, but he gets away from him, and he left him. And verse 40 says that he went beyond the Jordan River, near the place where John was first baptizing, and he stayed there a while. And many followed him, and they said, John didn't perform miraculous signs. But everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed 
in Jesus. My friend, I'm just let's just let's just be straight up here. You may not believe what the Bible says, but just go beyond the Bible for a minute. Look look at the evidence that is available. I mean, you can Google and see stuff from over there where Jesus was from, where these apostles lived, and, and where all this took place, there is so much evidence that it lines up with the Bible. How can you deny Christ with all the evidence, despite if you believe in what the Bible says or not? Many have tried to discount the Bible and to discount God and, and, and what the apostles said in, in his word. And then they, when they set out to do that, they found out otherwise. They found out that, hey, this stuff is true. It's exactly what, they, what it claims to be and who and Jesus is who he says that he is. And I want to challenge you. I want you to Google some stuff about a man named Sir William Mitchell Ramsey, R-A-M-S-A-Y. He was on this earth between the years of 1851 to 1939. Sir William Ramsey was an archaeologist from Great Britain, and he didn't believe the Bible, and he was going to prove that it was false. And so he sets out to prove that, that Luke's writings, the book of Luke and the book, the book of Acts, uh, that his writings were full of errors and that it's false. And after making the discoveries that he did, he came up with the conclusion that the Bible is indeed true, and he becomes a sheep. What he found was that every one of Luke's facts checked out. Every one of them. He found Luke, because Luke was a doctor, so he, he was very well learned and could write well. If you look at Luke's Greek compared to Paul's Greek, oh, it's night and day. Paul's Greek is like my handwriting. My English is terrible. But Luke's is polished. Very, very well done. And so Sir William Ramsey he, he digs into Luke's facts, and he finds out that they all checked out. He found Luke to use specific and accurate terminology that reflected a, a careful chronic, uh, chronicle of events. There were proconsuls and senatorial provinces, Asiarchs in Ephesus, Polytarchs in Thessalonica. His conclusion was that Luke was a highly reliable historian, rendering the story of the early church in the book of Acts a remarkably clear one. The title Polytarch in Acts chapter 17 verse 6 is particularly striking because until Ramsey's investigation, the term was unknown in Greek literature outside of Acts. Ramsey found five inscriptions with that term Polytarch in the city. And so he concluded, Further study showed that the book could bear the most minute scrutiny as or minute scrutiny, scrutiny as an authority for the facts of the Aegean world, and that it was written with such judgment, skill, art, and perception of truth as to be a model of historical statement. That comes from his book, The Bearing of Re Recent Discovery, on page 85. And then on page 89 of the same book, Ramsey accounted, you may press the words of Luke in a degree beyond any other historians. On the authorship of the Pauline epistles, he concluded, Ramsey did, that all 13 New Testament letters were written by Paul, and they were authentic. Jesus told the people, if you're not going to believe me, at least believe the evidence, because the evidence proves that I'm the Messiah. I, I am the one who, 
came to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins, for our sins. He is the one who was buried for three days. He is the one that was resurrected on that third day. And he came out of that grave alive, defeating death, hell, and the grave. He is our shepherd and he goes before us. Why? Why? Listen to me. Why would you not want to follow a victorious king? Everybody wants to follow those who uh, are successful. I mean, we call them bandwagon, uh, bandwagon fans in, the, in sports because people jump on the bandwagon when a, a certain team is winning. They'll, lose, they'll leave their team that's no good just to jump on the bandwagon of a team that's winning. Because we want to follow people who are victorious, who are successful. Jesus is the king of all kings. He is all powerful. He he spoke the worlds. He spoke the universe. He spoke the galaxies into existence. In Genesis chapter 1, everything that was created besides man, he spoke it into existence. And then he took dust and formed a person out of, of dirt and breathed life in, into man. And it was great. That is the kind of power that God had. I mean, look, I live in the mountains. In Maryville, Tennessee, I see mountains all around. I'm, I'm right near the Smoky Mountains. I'm in the foothills. Of the Smoky Mountains, man. Just the most beautiful place on this earth to live. Mountain streams rushing by, mountains everywhere. I can drive to the beach and see a beautiful sunset. With you know, I can be there within several hours. God's beauty is all around me here, and it's all around you. I mean, I'm from West Tennessee where there was beans and cotton. Cotton fields when cotton is in full bloom, it's beautiful. It's just white as could be. It's a pretty thing to see. Why would you not want to follow a shepherd like that? A shepherd that goes before you and goes before us, making sure that our path is safe. And if it's not safe, he's going to take care of us. Just by speaking a word. Look at the people that he touched, the lives that he changed all through the Gospels, just by speaking a few words or a touch. In one instance, the woman who had the issue of blood came and touched Jesus. He didn't speak to her. He, he didn't touch her. She touched him and didn't say anything to him. Matter of fact, she ran away because she was scared. Well, she started to run away, but she didn't. And Jesus stopped and they said, hey, there's a crowd here. What do you mean? Why are you asking us who touched you? You see all these people? We don't know who touched you. And Jesus says, no, somebody just touched me. And he found the woman. He had, she had been healed just by touching the hem of his garment. That's what kind of power our shepherd has. He can change your circumstance by speaking one word, a word. That's what kind of power he has. That's the kind of guy I want to trust. That's the kind of guy I want to follow. Why would you not want to do the same thing? Why would you want to go... And follow the evil one, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. Who is nothing but a deceiver and he's going to deceive you and he's going to trick you. And you're going to wind up missing heaven 
and spend an eternity in hell away from God for eternity. Why would you want to follow a person like that? He knows his fate. Why not follow the good shepherd, Jesus? Why not let go of your own will and quit doing your own thing because you're making a huge mess out of it and out of your life and turn to Jesus Christ and say, I want to make you my Lord and Savior. I want you to be my good shepherd. I want to follow you. I want to know your voice. I want to hear your voice. And I want to be obedient to your will because I want to be with you in heaven someday. Despite what goes on on this earth, despite the circumstances I may find myself in, I want to be with you for eternity. Because I know when I reach that point, it's over and, and, and everything's going to be just fine. Why not follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd? Don't be like these people did and see Jesus, see the miracles hear his teachings, but yet choose not to follow. What, what a mistake they made. And die in your sins and not ever having a chance to ask for forgiveness. It's really that simple. To give your life to Jesus Christ and be obedient to his will. Won't you do it today, friend? Won't you turn to the Good Shepherd and become a sheep? God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just my, grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life, look, all my life.